Future Hacker. Life. Path. Future. Welcome back, everybody. This is the second episode with Linga Taid for Future Hacker. So, Linga, uh, let's recap really quick. So, you were able to quantify non-financial values through this metric, and then you were able to transact it through blockchain, correct? Correct. So, one question I have is, do you see blockchain as only a current way of doing it? And it will probably turn into something completely different. Or, or do you see that blockchain will be able to have an evolution itself that it will make a little more sense? And the reason I'm asking you is, is if we are measuring positive social impacts, blockchain as is today is very uh, bad for, for the environment. It's, it's very energy consuming. Although I have heard of people that are chasing it to be more sustainable. I even heard of people that will be able to ride in bikes and the bikes will generate energy that will be used for mining and things like that. Uh, but still, I'd love to, to understand your thought that if it's only something that is what, what's available today and what's allowed it to, to be happening and maybe in the future it will be something completely different or blockchain per se will be evaluating itself, you know? Okay, so I, I'm on one hand incredibly disappointed with blockchain, okay, because frankly, anyone who says to me there's a mainstream application of blockchain, then they are completely delusional. There is no mainstream application of blockchain right now. Bitcoin is just a rounding error in the financial world. So blockchain has yet to manifest a real reason. We do not have a Facebook of blockchain yet. We do not have a Google of blockchain. We have no reason when people go, aha, that's what it is. I believe the future of it is not by itself. I think at the moment, all the projects we're involved in, the exciting stuff is the crosses over with AI, Internet of Things, and 5G. All is a blended model of the future. And things like, I don't want an Alexa or a Siri that says, what's the weather in Brazil right now? I want to say, Alexa, buy me some you know, blankets that are aligned to my values. No slave labor. I want it made of green products or partially green. I'm not very rich, Alexa. So buy me some, get me something, source me something, which actually is within my budget, but I still want to move towards being a better person in those, the ideologies that I represent. So I want a Siri and AI, you know, that doesn't say black and white things, but My father died, you know, in February this year. I want to say, what would my father do in this situation? I want to look at his values set, not his money set. I truly believe this amalgamation of technologies can take us there. And I've given kind of speeches where I talk about even the Internet of Things. I talk about a racist doorbell, you know, because in the Internet of Things, everything has intelligence. And the doorbell of the future at the moment If it rings, it can say, well, Alinga, I know you're a racist, so, and there's a black guy outside ringing the bell, so in fact, I won't even create a sound for you because I don't want to annoy you. And you go, what? If we don't bring these ethical interventions into these technologies, which can be creating a great society, I guess there are challenges, you know, in all this. And I want things like blockchain to arbitrage those ideologies. And I believe the future, you know, the projection that you guys talk about at 10, 20, 30 years, the future of the world will be, will be transacting our values, not the value of things. 
And I truly believe that. So you say, you know, is does not have value. They go, yeah, of course it has value. But because we have no way of measuring or transacting it, what can you do? You always go to default of money. And that's the world we've created. But the, it is exciting to know that these technologies that people far greater than myself have developed in the West Coast, in China, in Europe, etc., around the world, that using data and sentiment analysis to nudge us to different behavior can be used for good. And I believe that is the future of the world, and I believe it will happen. And we are talking about the future, <laughs> right? Olinga, you know, when we, we met, we had our intro call, I asked you regarding, you know, we were talking about all artificial intelligence and, and, and blockchain and things like that. And like, so you're, if you're trying to measure and transact, uh, aren't you going to play with NFTs? And then you open this big smile. So you are trying to do something with NFTs, right? So can, can you can we talk about that? Or is it like still... No, 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 we can, we can talk about it. Some things are sensitive, but some things... For example, we are doing a, as well as publicized, that I'm an advisor to a listed company, Lundstock Exchange. It's a petrochemical company called Wildcat. People go, what? Petrochemical company? You're supposed to be doing good? Did you say gas and oil? And the same thing people criticize me about working with China, you know? And the fact is, you don't work with people and governments and organizations who are already great, right? You work with everyone because we can all do to nudging into different behaviors, right? And so the thing about NFT, the uniqueness about NFT is that it can identify a particular, a particular value set and be, to allow you to transact it. And you can't, it's not exchangeable. So for example, and if you've studied uh, love, for example, or, you know, uh, my love for you, Maria, is not the same as your love for me, you know, because my love is directional. You know, I may love you, but you may not love me. So, so projects at NFT are, for example, we allow the democratization of people to invest in oil and gas, to be able to choose like on a pin on a map, to put a pin on a map, and say that square meter, uh, if anything discovered on that square meter, I want a slice. I can only afford $5 to have that right. It's a square meter, but it's my square meter. And so we are doing a project for governments where GDP is now considered to be a, frankly, last Thursday concept, is no longer current, representing the values of each country. Because, you know, how, how does Dubai, you know, go, well, Dubai goes, well, Ministry of Happiness, I mean, GDP doesn't represent that, if people are happy or not. So they go, how can we represent that? So your one, instead of per capita, money produced per capita, it should be the values, the money as well produced, but also the environment in a, let us say, a square meter, a cubic meter of that land, which is the, what happiness and what impact is created and what hope and money, and oil and gas, and resources, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, I think the future of NFTs is not necessarily just arts. It's actually to do with any kind of value sets that we want to particularly identify and transact. You know, it came from lots of research we did, many, many, uh, lots of academic papers on, on uh, for example, smiling. If I pass a homeless person and I smile to that homeless person, I made that person slightly happier because I've smiled and that person's made me happy because their reaction. Now that's my particular love to that particular person. 
somebody else will not react the same way. If I can capture that through an NFT, I can I say, this is my love to you, not just generally any love. And that's the difference between NFT and like Bitcoin. Bitcoin is any money and it could be this Bitcoin or that Bitcoin. There's no difference between them. But NFT could be my particular love towards my particular daughter or towards this particular person or etc. So the stuff that we're doing is really early days because non-financial systems have not really developed at all very well. And many of the things we do, we pray and hope that the big boys take it because they have much greater ideas and resources than we do. But what we do is we all our efforts are for large-scale projects. One of our biggest NFT-related projects is to do with something called Purple with Power, and that is disability. Do you know Facebook, Amazon, Google, they measure every single human being around the world, but not if they're disabled. And yet, around 20% of the world's population are disabled. 20% of the world population, but they're not even important enough to be measured by Facebook, etc., etc. And yet, the sentiments that disabled people create in us is so deep. You know, when you show love, towards a disabled person. That is the society that I think we are post-COVID coming out of and wanting to be part of, where we're all inclusive. So we believe the idea of actually identifying the data set for disabled people and allowing them to transact that data can create for better shopping experiences. You know, we have something called a micro-tip where if someone says the way you treated me as a disabled person or the way I saw you treat that disabled person, if we cannot reward people who help the most unfortunate of our society, who really need our help, and my daughter is you know, disabled, and there are many people who are, we need to value that action and reward that action. You know, and whether that means physically, like better discounts in retail, already kind of exist, but not to do with disability. If I look at, for example, in America, you know, the gun lobby is very strong. And if you were a member of the NRA, the National you know, the uh, uh, Rifle Association in America, you used to get 20% discount. It didn't matter if you had a pulse, you got 20% discount. With Avis rental cars, Continental Airlines, every airline, every rental car system in America, everyone. And you used to say, but people are shooting people in, in schoolyards and dying. And they go, yeah, 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 but you know the money? And so, you know, now the sentiment towards guns is changing. And so those brands have dropped that. The fact is money has values. You know, if I said to you, I love your blouse, Maria, and uh, I'll send you $100,000 for it. Do you go, I will DHL it to you immediately. And I go, yeah, I'll pay you in KKK coins, Ku Klux Klan coins. And you don't need to know about cryptocurrency to understand what the hell I'm saying, do you? You go, whoa, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but I do not want Klux Klan coins because it's an affront to my to my values, my ideology. And also, I don't have Klux Klan communities to spend it on. Who would accept that from me? What's the point of having that money? And we go, I pay you in black coin. They go, we'll give you 30% discount because they want to encourage that behavior. They want to encourage that community, that alignment. You know, so values are now tri- are driving our society. And I, we're just interested in developing ecosystems that can do that.
You know what? We've been covering a lot about you know ESG, but what we are talking about is it seems to me like this really powered uh, evolution of, of ESG and I actually way of, of, of making people, everybody have more access and, and use their pockets somehow to vote for the, for the causes that they, they believe, right? So that's super interesting. And, you know, you, you mentioned how important it is the power of procurement on board because they're the ones defining the, again, talking about big pockets. But, um, That works uh, in a couple of governments that you mentioned, but we're, when we're trying to make it really more spread, a lot still has to change because at least, um, and I don't know about the other countries, but at least Latin America, like the way that the, the whole compensation system for procurement works, everything needs to change, right? So if the person is getting compensated for how much he's saving his company, which is this traditional way of procurement, he will never be able to be applying those new rules of, of, of having a more corporate responsible player to choose because it's usually more expensive than someone that is just damaging the, the environment. So it's challenging to end the cycle, but maybe, maybe if it starts getting adopted by the government first and making it a policy is the way to go, right? Yes, so you're 100% right. Governments are generally adopted this because post-2008, no governments had any money post-2008. So they all came out with paradigms to get private sector to provide the services into the community through third sector agencies, through civil society that they no longer could afford. And in the UK, we call it big society, but in every kind of government had, had the same kind of policy framework. So government has to lead the way but the private sector follows. And it does follow because old school procurement, you're absolutely right, cheapest is best, right? Cheapest is best. But they're now finding, you know, that is why we gain a wave. Suddenly, in a twinkle of an eye, every bank or every institution wants LGBTQ plus in that week. You know, go, what? Hang on. You? you you're interested in what? And they go, yeah, because they understand that if they're not aligned to society, to their customers, if they're seen to be the bad guy, then people leave them. But as you say, it is very slow. You know, we all, as we know, iPhones everywhere and about 32 die, commit suicide every year in China making iPhones, you know. And you tell that to anyone and they go, yeah, but you know, it's so shiny. It's, I love it, you know. So it's about nudging society, you know. It's about bringing systems that allows someone to say, I love an iPhone, but I'd like it to be a little more green and less slavery, you know. And there's some people who can go right to the end and go, no, 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 I, I want it completely green. And most of us are in that gray in between, you know, where we need to be nudged. And the nudging techniques are very, very well rehearsed by Facebook and Amazon and by governments like China and others. Very well rehearsed. Okay. So let's not just into using this to our advantage. Yeah. 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 Um, so talking about all this investment China is making in with all those researches regarding, you know, no financial and, 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 and nudging the population and, and, figuring out the future currency, right? 
Which other countries you see following that road? Because what I feel and what we've been talking and discussing so much about the future is that for now, for now, it's a competitive advantage, but soon it's it's an obligation and whoever is, is, is winning the race is going, you know, to technologies and anything else. So which other countries do you see that, that are on this track as well? Yeah, so I think that the most of the focus is the Middle East and China. All right, and I'll explain why. The Middle East goes, well, we are the richest countries in the world. The top 3% are in the Middle East, but we're not even the top 20 in the countries of the world with soft power. So people go, you know, oh yeah, just shut up and make oil. Just shut up, just oil, okay? Make oil and go back into your box, okay? We're not interested in your value sets and history and all that nonsense. Just make oil, now go back home. You know, so they say, well, we want to change a society and they have the money to do it. They have the resource to do it. So Dubai, which they created, which is a miracle of, you know, Las Vegas in the desert. They go, okay, look, we managed to create that, but you know, not good enough. They now want to put the first city on Mars by the year 2112. Yes, as a 500 billion UAE project. And they've launched a spaceship last year. And the NEON project, 500 billion to create a population of 1 million, a new paradigm. They want to be recognized for their soft power, for their ability to transform society. The same way, you know, China, for example, has got a digital currency. Now, 82% of countries in the world are you now looking, the central banks are looking at digital currency to have their own digital currency, UK included. And the reason is the currency that promotes the value sets of that country. So it's not a physical thing only that, you know, China says, well, well, we got 72, three countries and our own countries. So we want a currency that we can transact. The main thing, they want to reject a dollar because they don't want to adopt American value sets. And they don't want to adopt what dollar means in terms of the value sets. So I'm very hopeful that these 82 countries They don't need another currency, do they? Why do they do it? Because they understand they can actually codify the ideology of their country to be British, a Brexit coin, you know, to be British in the currency that they have so that it promotes to be British. It promotes the value sets of that country. Which is, and every country has the, those value sets, you know. So this is why I think it's moving that way. It is moving that way. So these creations like Bitcoin, etc., you have to take your hats off to them because they created, they were the forerunner of the world that I'm talking about. I honestly can tell you, Maria, I feel love for all parts of society because we're all trying now, every part of society is now trying to create a better world. And COVID, just like the world I'm doing would not have happened if it post P2008, COVID was the watershed moment when the world went, wow, all this money and look at this. I could have all this money and could still be dead. You know, perhaps there's a different way to live. Perhaps we can work from our home. Perhaps I don't need to go to the big city. Perhaps I like to spend, I actually like spending time with my family. I like to be with my children, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it changed our views. But if you can't have the ecosystems, and that's our job now, if you can't create those ecosystems, And it doesn't matter what ways they do to measure it. I don't care, you know. The only point I said to you is that we were consistently wrong, you know. 
So at least we were consistent. We showed that if you had a consistent method, then what can you do with it? You can create all these different things in our society. And so I'm sure the future world, the future growth, 20, 20, 30, let's face it, you know, I think the United Nations have more or less admitted SDGs 2030 is never going to happen. The MDGs was a disaster, didn't happen. But what they created was, you know, 167 countries created 17 ideologies which they agreed on. That's a big achievement. 17 sets where they went, yep, we all agree. And that is why now in Afghanistan, even Afghanistan, they're going, are you treating women again? I'm sorry, say that again? And they go, no, 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 we respect women now, you know? So they understand the world is no longer accepting certain terms of behavior, you know? So I believe when we create the ecosystems, when they are rewarded for treating women better and on equal terms, and, you know, we bring out, take out inequality in the world, then the world will start changing and the way we shop will start changing and the way we behave and the way we treat gender inequality and sexual equality and so on. This is an exciting world and we now have all the tools we need to do this. And it will be done way after I'm dead, thank God, perhaps. <laughs> That was such a perfect way to end our conversation today, Alinga. Thank you, thank you so much for your time and for sharing that out with our listeners. It was really a pleasure. If you have any final words, please, the final words is yours. <laughs> You're very kind. All I say to you is, um, I'm 61. It's not for me. It's for people who are listening to this who can make this world happen. You have my full support. Thank you. Thank you so much. Future Hacker. Life. Path. Future.